Welcome to Photo Mission Focus Discussing Photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. On this episode of Focus, I'm flying solo. On this episode of Focus, I wanted to, I suppose, talk about something that I know a lot of photographers sometimes struggle with. And sometimes, like when people are first starting out in photography, they're, they're given some advice to go a particular way. And some people really, I suppose, find it challenging, but there's reasons why people suggest it. And there's reasons why people should kind of, I suppose, work towards the gold. And that is switching the camera to manual mode. So when a lot of people get their camera for the first time and and if they're kind of reasonably new to photography, they'll, they'll select one of the auto modes, and which is a great way to get started. So the auto modes are really like training wheels. They really help you get some results, you know, get some get some runs on the board type of thing. And I think that's important. You know, if you start doing something and you just jump straight into manual mode and you don't fully understand it and you're not getting the results, you're going to get frustrated with it and you, you may just turn around and put the camera down because you're just not getting the results that you're kind of hoping for like you're seeing these amazing things through the lens and then you're just not being able to capture that onto a file that you can see on your computer so you're kind of struggling with the whole concept so I always say to people like particularly when I'm teaching someone photography if they want to learn about photography I'll get them started in one of the manual modes either um, aperture priority or um, shutter priority mode and for different reasons, we'll, we'll talk about those reasons why you might select one mode over the other, <clears throat> particularly if you're trying to, I suppose, learn about photography and you're trying to maybe move your way from those auto modes and get into, say, a full manual mode. And like I said, it's just such a worthwhile exercise to be able to put the, put the time into to build the understanding and to build the confidence to be able to have your camera in manual mode and be able to get shots that you're proud of and that are just kind of, you know, your, the shots that you want to achieve. So let's get started. Let's jump in and have a look. So so a lot of people listening to this podcast may already be shooting in manual mode and that's fantastic. But I know there's a lot of people who listen who are still kind of, I suppose, trying to find trying to find their feet, where they where which direction to go. And I think there's always something to be learned, even if you are shooting in manual mode, it's always good to think about some of the things, you know, with the way, the way you shoot and the way you use the camera. So most modern cameras that have some dials on the top, which obviously let you select different modes. And like I said, there's, the, I suppose, the go-to mode for a lot of people is like a program mode, where there's a, that's kind of a fully automatic mode. And we might just talk a little bit about the different modes and why we might you know use them or why we might not use them so let's start with that fully automatic mode the program type mode so the camera is trying to with the information it can receive from you know the sensors and the, the light meters and all the different things on the camera it's trying to make decisions about what iso to use what aperture to use and what shutter speed to use and but it, it doesn't know the subject it doesn't really know what you're shooting so you're pointing it at say you know, a fast-moving runner that's running around a track. The camera doesn't know that that subject is fast-moving, really. It's not really saying, taking a, oh, okay, look, that's shooting a running race, so I'm going to try and uh, use the highest shutter speed I possibly can. So what the camera will do is it will use what's available to it with the lens that's on it, with the lower step stuff. And if it's a situation where it's a really, say, say it's a low light situation, say it's at night time and they're, you know, running around a track and you're up in the stands and, you know, it, it's it's a bit darker on the on the track than uh, daylight. So the camera is trying to adjust to the available light. So 
I suppose the default is that in any kind of auto mode or program mode, the camera is always going to default to what's available light and it's going to try and use within the camera's what the camera's capabilities are as far as um, ISO and the capabilities as far as what the lens will step down to, that it will try and use that combination to try and get as perfectly exposed subject on the frame as possible with that given information. But it's not always right. And that's why, you know, manual manual mode is used by professional photographers because they want to choose what happens with the camera they want to choose how the camera takes the picture how it uses the available light and like i said this is how you start getting really creative as a photographer and that's the power of suppose that manual mode unlocks a whole range of creative processes that you can actually do as a photographer and i think that's why people you know people strive to get to that point so you're sitting there you're using camera in full manual mode and you're not actually getting the results because the camera doesn't really understand what you're shooting so that's why camera manufacturers introduced a couple of different modes so shutter priority mode is a good example where basically um, you set the shutter speed and the camera will set the um, ISO and the camera will set the aperture based on the shutter speed that you've selected so say for instance you're shooting something like that, that running race so you're trying to freeze the action not have kind of have blur in the photo that you're going to be trying to get a shutter speed that actually freezes the, the person running past you and then the camera hopefully can then capture an image with the other available options it has. Now sometimes it won't because the lens may not be fast enough so <clears throat> if the lens can't let enough light in or the ISO limit on the camera is set um, too low then the picture will be a fast shutter speed but it might be a really dark picture and you might not even better pick out the detail of the runner but you have frozen them but um, in a very dark situation so again it's that combination of understanding the relationship and you know often people will hear the, the expression the exposure triangle and the exposure triangle is what you know makes a picture work is that when all the and I suppose the exposure triangle too is like a it's like a recipe for a cake when you get all the proportions correct the cake it comes out amazing same as with photography once you get the once you get the proportions correct you know the picture will come out the way you, you wish it to come out because the, you've got the, the recipe right and i think this is the thing that a lot of people new to photography just kind of struggle with that whole process of what what settings do i use <clears throat> i think there's a little bit of confusion particularly for people new to photography that when it comes to the numbering system on cameras like things like shutter speed so the faster the shutter speed, the higher the number goes. The faster the f-stop on a lens is is lower. So it's like f22 is not a fast. That's a that's not a fast aperture. That's a, you know that's an aperture where um, you need a lot of light to come in over a long period of time to actually get a correct exposure. So it gets confusing. ISO is a bit like shutter speed. So ISO the the bigger the number, the ISO. So if you're on ISO 100, which quite often you'll hear people talking about base ISO. So quite often people, their starting point will they'll try and use something like ISO 100, and then trying to work the other settings around that because that's going to give potentially give you the cleanest image. And and we'll talk a bit more about ISO and the relationship to um, picture quality a little bit a little bit later in the podcast. So 
shutter priority mode is great for people starting out to get that understanding where you can dial up the shutter speed and the camera will try and adjust the other two settings. Won't always be successful because there might be limitations and you know within the camera's auto system quite often there's a range which the ISO will work in. So when you go into your camera menus and start looking through things like ISO you might see the range is set from it might be set from 100 ISO up to 3200 ISO or, or, or another number and that's the range that the auto range will use so it'll, it'll, it has access to selecting ISO 100 all the way through to 3200 and that's what the camera's limitation so in a situation like the runner running around the track and you've dialed up say a shutter speed of say um, you know one one four hundredth of a second and the camera will then try and go okay I can go to a maximum of 3200 so I need to get a um, fast f-stop so if the lens is capable say in going 2.8 it's going to select the probably the fastest f-stop and then it's going to then try and work within you know the lowest ISO that it can achieve and sometimes like I said it will just max out both those things because it just needs more light and you won't be able to get the picture and the only way to actually get the picture is to or get a clear picture is to actually drop the shutter speed down to let more light in but then you're introducing movement or blur into the image so again it's that trade-off of um, different things so what's aperture priority so aperture priority is, is another one of the auto modes which is a great learning tool it's a great way to learn how the camera works and, and the relationship of aperture to how it changes how the picture looks you know everyone's seen the the classic portrait photography where the person's face is beautifully exposed and sharp and everything and then the background you know they're standing behind some bushes and the bushes are just all this blurry blurry background and, and it's kind of just like a creamy melting into the thing and the person's kind of looks like they're actually lifting off the page they're kind of punching through that and that that's because the photographer has used a a fast f-stop number so they might have shot that if the camera was you know capable of doing f you know 1.8 they might have shot that at f 1.8 and which means that got a very shallow depth of field so it just basically means that the part of the image that will be in focus is quite small so you focus on the person's face so you get their face in focus but the background which is behind them will be out of focus and again this is a popular technique that's used by portrait photographers to give that great looking portrait shot Similarly, it's used by, say, landscape photographers where you're looking at the foreground and stuff in the foreground is in focus and the midground's in focus and the background's in focus. They may have shot that at f22 because the relationship between aperture and how it affects focus is that higher that, you know, so if you say on a f-stop like 22, that everything pretty much should be a focus in the frame from front to back. And if you're on, say, f-stop 1.8, you're going to have this very narrow band of focus. And again, you can use that to your advantage. And that's what you know photographers do every day, and that's why they use manual, because they look at a picture and they go, I want the background blurred out, or no, I want, I want to kind of capture as much detail behind the subject as well as in front of the subject and the subject. So they'll choose a f-stop that will achieve a, a wide depth of field for their chosen subject and again people will shoot stuff and this is again how you get creative because again you can get creative by shooting 
chill adaptive field on some things where you're isolating a person from the scene because you're blurring out everything in the background. So the other people around, so you're just focusing on one person and the other people behind that person, um, whether it be like street photography, are kind of, they're, they're blurred. They're not actually in sharp focus. And again, it can make for a real pleasing result. So Aperture Priority allows you to then dial up the f-stop that you want to do so whether it's going to be something like go for a fast f-stop like f1.8 or you're going to go for something like you know f11 again these will change the way the picture looks so for people who haven't played with i suppose the relationship of how an f-stop can um, affect it just take an object in a room so if you set your camera up on a tripod and Put a you know a bottle or something on a table, grab a lens that grab a lens that you know, and quite often if you own a nifty fifty, and the reason that people buy nifty fifties is because they're a fast lens. You can quite often go down one point eight and that's you know considered to be a fast, fast lens. So if you took something like a nifty fifty and you put a bottle on the table and you actually then focused on that bottle and shot it at say, you know, one point eight, you know, you'll see that the relationship of what's in focus you know, the bottle and the label is in focus and then how the background, everything falls away out of focus. And then if you keep the camera on the, put the camera on the tripod and then, you know, progressively take shots, just changing, the, the only thing you'll be changing is just changing the f-stop and progressively moving up um, into, into like, you know, go from, uh, if you're shooting at 1.8, you know, go 2.8, then, you know, maybe f4, 5.6, f8, f11, f16, and just see the results. Look at the picture and see how it changes how much of the image is in focus. And this is why you can manipulate and use that use that technique within your photography once you kind of understand it and get that under your belt. So again, it's been a, a I suppose a an aspect of photography that's been used since um, I suppose variable aperture lenses had, had become available that people could then play around with how the image looks. And again, you know, there's a whole range of things with playing with aperture and that's you know depth of field compression how a lens will actually compress the background and the subject can just be like popping off the popping off the off the image and again it's a great technique so a lot of people will shoot something like a portraiture type photo of, of somebody um, but use a longer lens because the longer lens will give a greater depth of field compression you'll see that kind of come through like i said quite popularly people will shoot a portrait you know wedding photographers quite often shoot the bride and groom with a with a 200 mil the lens at 200 mil um, because it separates them so nicely from the background so this is something you can just play with at home if you haven't actually played with and or, or you want to get a better understanding of how f-stop can actually affect your pictures that's a simple little exercise you can do because these things we're not too worried about what the ISO is doing and we're not too worried about the shutter speed because we've got the camera on the tripod so the camera is going to be quite still so you might find that shooting at f22 in a room that the shutter speed is going to drop down to a very low number um, because you're shooting in aperture priority mode again that's why I just said pop it on a tripod in the real world obviously that can cause some issues if you're hand holding the camera so again but we'll we'll talk a bit more about shutter speed a little bit later so the two kind of, I suppose, go-to modes are the aperture priority and the shutter priority modes. And they're called slightly different things. On Some some cameras will call it the, the shutter priority mode will be a T mode or time value mode. 
um, but they all mean the same thing. So if you look at your particular brand of camera, you'll better work out um, which of those two modes are. The other thing is that um, we talked a little bit about ISO, and ISO can also be running in the background in an auto mode where you can have the ISO where the camera is is selecting the ISO for you. So even in something like shutter priority mode, you can actually lock the ISO to a particular ISO. So the only thing the camera can change is the aperture. So say for instance, we've got the that person running around the track and we've decided that we're gonna go at the, you know, um, one four hundred of a second to try and freeze that person and we but we decide that we don't want the ISO to go over say 2000 so you, you can dial that up in the camera as well so then the only thing the camera has to change to let more light in to get the picture is it needs to open the lens up to let more light in so that which means it'll be looking for a you know an f-stop um, particularly it might be the widest the lens will open and obviously that might not might not also be wide enough also to let enough light in but again you'll see that relationship once you start playing with different things similarly with um, things like aperture priority mode again you can lock off aspects of the of the exposure like you can you can lock the iso and similarly in and that's really what manual mode is manual mode is like basically you're selecting all three parts of it and some people in manual mode actually shoot in manual mode they shoot they pick the aperture they want they pitch pick the um, shutter speed they want but they let the camera choose the iso because of changing light conditions so sometimes when i'm shooting an event you're kind of in and out of like you might be shooting some event some of the stuff's undercover and then the other stuff's in the open so the light's rapidly changing and there's stuff that you've got to capture quickly so the technique that i'll quite often use is i'll i'll will dial up say a shutter speed that'll freeze whatever I'm shooting if it's people running around or doing whatever how much of it I want in focus will be by the f-stop but then I might let the camera decide the ISO but I might have preset the range that the camera can go to and like I said in the camera settings you can change where the um, how high the ISO the camera can select it automatically before you know you have to intervene and again I talked earlier about the base ISO 100 and it comes really because film back in the day you know the kind of standard film that people bought was 100 iso so that was a kind of standard print film for 35 mil because it was a low grain um it could print quite well and you could print you know an ex like a, an enlargement from that but the limitations of having 100 um iso meant that you know you were limited under the lighting conditions what shutter speed and what apertures you could use to correctly expose a picture and that's why manufacturers then produced um, a range of different ISO films that came out. You know, you had ISO 200, you had ISO 400, and it went, they went quite high. And the trade-off is that when you make a film more sensitive to light, um, the, the trade-off was that the picture became grainy. So when you looked at a picture, say, shot on 400 ISO film versus 100 ISO film, is that you could see when you drilled right into the picture that the picture wasn't as clear and the same thing happens with the digital sensors so digital sensors allow you to mimic i suppose those film speeds by changing the sensitivity of the sensor and that's how sensitive it is to light so basically once you have um 
whatever ISO you put in your camera. And different cameras will be be able to handle ISO differently. So not every camera is created equal. It depends on the sensor design. It depends on the megapixels as a sensor. It's a whole range of different things that will affect the ISO capabilities of cameras. So some cameras are really good in low light. And when someone says, oh, this is a really good low light camera, it means it can tolerate high ISOs with little noise. And so some, some cameras, like if you shoot, say, at um, 3200 ISO, you can get quite an acceptable picture. And other cameras, if you shot at 3200, the picture will be very grainy and very muddy and not, not so pleasant. So again, depends on your camera. And typically, the more you pay for the camera, typically the better the ISO performance and low light is. So typically, that's why people, you know, professional-grade bodies typically strive to give you very, very good ISO capabilities in low light so you can capture um, stuff and still have a really usable picture and again it's about experimenting and understanding what your camera can do so probably the next thing i'd ex ask you to experiment with with that same bottle on the table and the camera set on the tripod now experiment with using different isos so basically if you were to set the camera to one of the um, auto modes so if you set it to say um, shutter priority mode but you then said okay shoot this one at 100 ISO where you tell the camera so it will it will expose for that um, ISO but then progressively increase the ISO not moving the camera just taking a series of pictures and and then you'll find a point where when you start looking at those pictures and you won't necessarily notice on the back of the camera so what you'll do is once you've taken that series of pictures you want to download them onto your computer and then you want to be able to actually go through those images and just have a bit of a look. And as you see, as the ISO starts to get higher and higher, you'll start to notice as you, if you, especially if you drill into the photo, so, you know, enlarge the photo on your screen, have a look at it, and you'll start to see the difference. This will give you an idea where your camera, at what point your camera starts to produce results that are not acceptable. So you can say, okay, I, my camera, I'm pretty happy shoots really well maybe up to you know 2000 ISO but then after 2000 ISO the picture starts to get quite grainy and if I was to print it large it's not going to look so great so again that gives you an idea of what your upper limit is for your particular camera and every camera is going to be different not you know I said every manufacturer is slightly different and like some cameras perform much better in that department than others so again it's about you understanding your equipment but you understanding and finding that I suppose sweet spot so that's why, you know, some people go, they know like a safe bet is ISO 100. They know that every camera is going to do a pretty good result with an ISO 100 um, exposure that, you know, there's going to be very little, very little noise, very little grain in, in that, at that level. So again, but that's not always practical because that's great. On a bright sunny day, you can go outside and, you know, you could be shooting at 100 of a second at F8, ISO 100 and getting a great exposure. As soon as the light starts to drop off, that's going to change. But this is important when you know what your camera is capable of. So doing this exercise helps you understand where your camera's at. And once you understand where your camera's at, that's going to be really helpful for you as you transition and you start to shoot in full manual mode where you're actually choosing all the settings because then you know what the camera's limitations are and then you'll be able to adjust for that. So And you'll build your, your knowledge. And again, look, the easiest way of... I suppose understanding exposure and the amount of light is simply do that exercise where the camera is set up in a controlled environment 
And the other thing what you can do is you can watch as you're playing with these things, and particularly, say, if you're shooting, once you're shooting, say, in uh, aperture priority mode, watch what the shutter speed does. Watch what the camera does. Like, you'll see as you go up from, say, 5.6 to f8, you'll actually notice how the um, camera will actually adjust for that stop of light, and you'll see the shutter speed respond to that. Now, in the real world, if you're holding that camera, that camera, that might get down to a level where if you move the camera slightly during the exposure, you're going to have camera shake. And for a lot of people, 160th a second was kind of the, the go-to speed that people would comfortably hold a camera at without getting camera shake. And that is true for a kind of, I suppose, something like if you had a 50mm lens on your camera, 160th a second um, handheld is probably going to produce a, um, a clean result. But that would be different if you had, say, a 200mm lens on the camera because what happens is as you put a telephoto lens on the camera, any camera movement is actually magnified by the magnification of the lens. So the slight little bit of movement on a 50mm lens, that same amount of movement on a 200mm lens is much more noticeable. So the rule of thumb typically is um, a lot of photographers will use is whatever the, sh whatever the focal length of the lens that's going to that's going to dictate what your minimum what your minimum shutter speed is so if you've got a a 200mm lens on there you're going to have to be you're going to be want to be above 1200 or higher some people double it so some people just use a double factor well okay I've got a I've got a 200mm lens on so my minimum shutter speed to eliminate camera shake is 1/400 of a second so again, you can choose, and each person's different because some people can actually hold the camera quite still as they're taking a photo, and other people tend to struggle with it. The other thing, which if your camera has image stabilization built in, this can be really helpful. So this can help you compensate for any of those micro movements as you're taking the shot that the camera can actually either through the lens system or via the systems that use IBIS, which is in-body uh, image stabilization, can actually eliminate some of that camera shake. So again, each camera is going to be different, but again, it's good to know where your camera sits. So the next exercise you do is actually take the camera off the tripod and repeat some of these things, but looking at what point, uh, at what shutter speed, are you starting to notice that um, hand-holding the camera and taking the shot that you're actually introducing a little bit of movement. And again, these will give you your kind of, these will give you some starting points to think about when you go out into the real world you know that oh i can hold my camera and i can shoot at one third of a second and i can still get a you know a shot without um introducing movement and again there's techniques like for taking photos people sometimes hold their breath when they push the shutter just pausing and that type of thing so they're kind of making sure they're not actually um moving the camera around so i hope this has got you thinking about Moving from, say, having the camera on an auto mode, moving it over to one of the, the manual modes, and then progressively working up to you get to where you start choosing absolutely everything. And again, and then there's always those combinations. Like I said, when I'm shooting events, quite often I've locked in the shutter speed, I've locked in the aperture, but I let the camera decide the ISO and I've preset and I know what my, I know what my different bodies, and I have different, a couple of different cameras I shoot with, so some of my cameras work perform better in low light than others. So those will actually have different settings. And one of the techniques I'll do is quite often is my bodies that perform better in low light and then can tolerate higher ISOs, 
I put my slowest lenses on those cameras and my bodies that kind of struggle, I put my fastest lenses. So I'm trying to compensate for the camera body by using a faster lens on a body where, say, the ISO can't quite go as high to try and get maximum number of shots as I possibly can. And then on the body that can tolerate high ISOs, I'll put a slower lens. So that kind of, again, is just a, a technique that I've kind of worked out over the years of shooting that that gives me trying to get squeeze the most out of my equipment. So basically, you are not, not really want to put your fastest lens on a body that can tolerate, has a really good sensor and can shoot in low light and give very little noise. And you're shooting on your other body where it's kind of at the high ISOs starting to introduce noise and you happen to use the highest ISOs because you're using a you're using a slower slower lens on it. So again it's it's understanding your equipment and understanding what you've got. And and again you've got to do that exercise of just working out what it is that you've got in your camera and what type of things you can get away with. So yeah, look on this episode of focus talking about, you know, changing changing to manual or working your way to manual. And again it's something that don't feel pressure that people People quite often, there's pressure when people start photography to say, you need to shoot this way, you need to shoot manual, you need to shoot raw, you need to shoot this, you need to shoot that. And again, I think it should always be done at your own pace. So whatever you're comfortable with, that's where you should be at. So you should be able to kind of work through and work yourself up because you want to be get to the point where you're totally confident when you point the camera at something that you can correctly expose it. And if using um, some of the auto modes is helping you do that, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's a great way to learn. But then as you start to shoot, take note of what the camera is doing. Look at the shutter speed. In most viewfinders, you can actually see, you can see what the shutter speed is. You can see what the aperture is. You can see what the ISO is. You can see all those things. So just keep looking at that relationship of those three things because the camera is now you know, depending which mode it is, camera is now making those decisions. And then as you start to make more decisions about your photography and start to use your camera, I suppose, in a more creative way, that you can then start to, I suppose, get a better understanding of where you need to be at with your settings. Hopefully it's got you thinking if you are shooting in one of the auto modes and you want to try and transition, or if you're shooting in the manual mode, then maybe, you know, again, it's just good to, I suppose, understand where your limitations of your camera are you may have changed cameras recently and you may still be trying to find your feet with that camera doing that exercise of shooting off the camera can reveal a lot about what your camera is capable of um, which is really helpful like I said in the real world because then it helps you choose some of those limits where you're going to be you know hitting hitting the wall on on certain settings with your camera um, but I encourage people one of the best things you can do is obviously look at some um, YouTube videos read the camera manual, read up some information on things like aperture, shutter speed and ISO and the relationship and just kind of get your head around that whole process of how you know the exposure triangle works and how they all work with, you know, if you subtract light from one thing by, like I said, by subtracting light, what I'm saying is, you know, if you, if you make the shutter speed higher, you're actually allowing that less light to be able to enter, hit the sensor you have to compensate by either opening the lens up to let more light in or you need to make the sensor more sensitive to light so that it doesn't need as much light to fall on it for as long a period to be able to get a correct exposure. So it's always going to be playing that game of 
you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. When you change one setting, you have to then change another setting to compensate for that loss of light. So again, it's just understanding how photography is, and it is all about light. It's just really about how that light is captured through the lens and projected onto the sensor and then saved as an image. Until next time, enjoy your photography, and I hope this has really got you thinking again about your camera and maybe you've learned something or maybe it's just reinforcing some stuff that you already knew. Until next time, this has been Steve Finkel for Photomission Focus discussing photography. Enjoy your photography, and we'll talk again real soon. See ya.